0: I do want to begin by asking a question. Is the doors downstairs locked? <laughs> I know Tommy had us a good entertainment this morning, but I want to go through that again. Uh-oh. I've had it happen to me, and I think nearly every preacher who's ever preached anywhere has had, has had that to happen. And so it's, if it, it's not the question if, if it will happen, it's when will it happen. And you usually will when you don't want it to or something like that, but it does happen. See, we want to look at a passage from 2 Kings 13. This is having reference to a time around Elisha's death as recorded by the writer of that book. And it simply says, begin with verse 14. Now when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash the king of Israel went down to him and wept before him uh, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrow. So he took a bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Draw the bow. And he drew it. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The Lord's arrow of victory. The arrow of victory over Syria. For you shall fight the Syrians at Apak until you make an end of them. You see, we want to look at a phrase which Elisha says to this king at the time of his deathbed to give king encouragement to go forward. It's simply to open the window eastward. I think any of us who have ever had the time or privilege to go to a tall tower somewhere to be able to get a, a, a round view of what of the surroundings, to get a, of everything they see below that area, or able to to a tall building look out the windows able to remember the view which they saw from those windows. I can remember being the top of the Washington Monument as you looked out all four windows of the top of that to get a complete view, as it were, of the city of Washington, D.C. And it is a sight to behold from the top of that tower. But this evening, Elisha simply says to Joash the king, I want you to open that window eastward. In other words, I want you to look out that window. There's a reason for doing so. So this evening, we want to look out some windows. Some windows which will help us, as it were, to look at our life as we live on the face of the earth. We begin this evening by looking out what we call the west window. We might call this the people's window. It is the window which most people tend to look out of as they get near the end of their life. It It is a window which we just sung a moment ago, which simply reminds us, now the day is over. Night is drawing nigh, shadows of evening still across the sky. It becomes that window that we look out of is a window of remembrance. It is a window that reminds us that I have many more days behind me than I have in front of me. It is a window which calls us to look at ourselves and thank God for the fact that we have memories. That we have those things we can dwell upon. And 1 simply said, God gave us memory that we would have roses in December. To have things to reflect upon and to remind us as we look through this window near the end of the days of our life. But looking out of that westward window, it becomes more marvelous to someone who is a child of God, who can reflect upon that life they have lived for God from the day they become a child of God and now they draw the end of the days of their life. They can look back and reflect at all the things they did and helped God, all the blessings He gave unto them as a child of His. They can even reflect on those failures and sins it committed and look back and realize, I was strengthened because of those things they helped me to learn as I walk upon the face of the earth. Many Bible characters we can think of look through that west window near the end of their life. You can imagine for a moment Moses, who had led the children of Israel for 40 years, as he's on the top of Mount Nebo, that he's looking out the west window. For a moment, God's giving him a view of the land of Cana. This land that he had promised to Abraham, this land that flowed with milk and honey. As if for his last days, Moses would be able to view this land, he would go no further. But he would get a glimpse of how beautiful this land was that God had promised to those descendants. But yet, even though he looked through that west wind and saw the land of Palestine, you know what Moses really was seeing was that land beyond this life that flowed with more than just milk and honey. A land of the presence of God. The land of eternity. The land of no death and sorrow. None of those things would ever bother him again. The trials and tribulations he went through, the times, hard times and good times he went through, leading the people of Israel was now over. I'm going to go home and be with God. One of the beauties of that scene on Mount Nebo was when he died, it simply said, "God buried him." His final look out the window was near the end of his life. Was the fact that then it just simply said, "God buried him" on top of that marvelous mountain. We can think of the Apostle Paul, which is probably one of the most loved characters of all the New Testament. Here's a man who was a blasphemer, as he would tell himself, quite quickly and candidly. Yet when he became a child of God, when he became that Apostle and journeyed throughout that then known world, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, through the good times and the bad times, the persecutions, and he said that he all had to face the prison terms, everything he lists in 2 Corinthians that we read about. And me which we would have never known if he had never told us. As he looks out that west window, what does Paul see? Paul says, I have fought the good fight. Paul was able to look back at his life and realize at this moment as he looks out that west window in that prison in Rome that his life soon was come to an end. I have fought the good fight. And realization of that same thing laid up for him, he says, not only for me, but for everyone else who lives accordingly, the crown of life. That's what I see out this west window. That's what I behold when I look out upon what I see before me. Yet at the same time, we find that many people look out that window and all they can say is to their lives, I have played the fool." They look out that west wind and realize again, as we said a moment ago, they have more days behind than they have in front of them. They look at their lives and realize, what a waste. Look what I've done with my life. I've done really absolutely nothing. I've basically done what I've heard everybody else say, that I keep thinking, I laugh at it, but I look at myself and say, I've done the same thing, All I've done is work, live, and I'm going to die. That's it. That's my life. I had a family. I raised my kids. I've done the best I could. Some of them went astray. Some of them in prison. What, what can I do? I have played the fool. I've wasted my time. When they look at that west window, they realize there's no hope. It's over. It's almost the point they realize it's too late as to look out that window and realize, look what I have done with my life. One Bible character, no doubt, could look out that window and feel the same way. When he could truly say, I have played the fool a man who walked with the Son of God for three years to only be remembered as the one who betrayed the Son of God that's all he could ever remember seeing not the times he remembered the great sayings of Christ, not the miracles that he beheld, the great teachings that Christ gave while they walked through the hills of Palestine, all that he sees out that window is I betrayed the Son of God And many persons who look at themselves can almost say the same thing. I had opportunities. I heard the teachings of Christ. I know what He says. I know what I must do. I have played the fool. Now it's just simply too late. Too late. Can't change what I'm saying. We're going to turn now. We're going to turn around to the window that if You go out in the physical world, people look for a house, they want a house that faces this way. That's toward the south. Why? Because that's where the warm weather comes from. You want a south facing house, it helps on the heating bill and everything. But in life, is that south window that good? Let's think about that for a moment. I want to call this one of the devil's windows. And let's show you why. Every one of us, when we've been working have realized that we look forward for time off. Time away from the job. Because of the fact we're at a point where we're saying, we've had a lot of stress. We've had a lot going on at where My mind's just going all around and around in the circle, all that we've been going through. I need some time off. I need a day off. I need a week off. I need something to release stuff. I need to take it easy for a while. Enjoy things. In physical life, we might say that is good. I at mean, times, even employers will suggest people, you know, you've been working, take some time off. It ain't going to hurt anything. We're not going to miss you for a few days. Take some time off and get away. Well, let me ask you a question, though. In the physical world, that's what we're being told. But is that true in the spiritual world? In other words, the soul being at ease, is it good for the soul? Or is it Deadly. you know the answer. You see, there are certain words that provoke us, that shock us, that make us tune our ears when we hear these words of the newscast at night. That's the words kill. We hear it nearly every day. We hear somebody being kidnapped, catches our attention. Here's somebody stole something, grabs our mind. We won't know what happened. I want to make sure was it in our neighborhood? Was it around where I work at? Was it near where I live? I want to make sure I'm about my neighborhood. But you see, there is that soft-spoken word that is deadly as snake venom, and that is the word easy. It sounds good. It's comfortable. Why? Satan wants you to take it easy. He wants you to relax. You're working too hard for the Lord. Take some time off. Take a vacation from Him. Take off a few Sundays. You don't need to be there. They're not going to miss you. Take time off from those good works that J.C. talked about this morning. God's not going to miss you if you're not doing anything. If you listen to Him and take Him when He says that word, easy. What happens? Spiritual paralysis the endeavors that you engage in are now over because you begin to take the attitude well, that was a good endeavor but you know what not much come from let's just get that and go on something else it didn't work we use the word lazy we can use the word simply decays the soul but Satan won't use it look out that side window look how good it looks out there it's a paradise of lovingness enjoy it it's not going to be upset with you. Let me ask a question, though. Does God frown heavily upon those who drift and dream? Again, in his class one, didn't J.C. tells God's for more happy with those who are what good works. God frowns upon those who take it and drift and dream. What did you say, David? Six and one. Woe to those who are what at ease in Zion. One of those who look at themselves and says, I don't have to do these things. I've done enough, Lord. It's time for me to retire as a child of God. I've reached that age of retirement as a Christian. I can sit back and take it easy now and rest and relax as I coast my way toward those last days of life. Easy time. But we also realize that ease is also brings up another thing called indifference. The Hebrew writer asks a tremendously great question that echoes to the ages. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Look out that window. It's ease. Satan's going to tell you, you don't have to become a Christian right now. Lay off for a while. You're in your prime of your life. Enjoy yourself. Do everything you want to do. When you're old and you're decrepit and you can't get around much anymore, things will be be better. Then that's the best time to obey God. Give the Lord the last few years of your life. But then take it easy. Take it easy. What's wrong? We look out that window too long, we're not going to get up. The old saying is we're going to pull up a chair and stay. Because we like to look out that window. The window of ease. Devil's window to make you think, take it life, enjoy it. Let's look at another window. This is the north window. This also, again, we're going to call it another window that belongs to Satan. When we look out this window, it's going to be cold. Bleak. Drear and barren. When I think of this, I think of the time of living in central Illinois. When you could look out your front door, look toward the north, and you could see a blue northerner just slowly making its way across that flat prairie land. You know it's going to get cold. You know it's going to get cold in a hurry, and it's going to stay cold for a long time. And winter up there is bleak. There's no corn, no soybeans, no farming. It's just dead looking. And it comes. Next thing you know, you get up and it's actually 35 below, wind chill of 70. Takes a week to get to zero in the daytime for a high. So when you look at this north wind, I can understand cold and bleak and dreary and barren. I can understand it because I have been and watched that happen time after time living in that part of the country. We don't see flowers growing, do we? It is weeds and thorns. It is a landscape beset with crime and lust and greed and hate and war and all that besets humankind. And again, we say this is devil winning because he's going to turn to you and look. As you look at this, well, look here. You say that God loves me. You say God's taking care of me. God loves this world. He said, he's His son of this world. Well, if he did all that, why is he letting it look like this? Why is this world looking this way? If He loves all of us, and going to take care of all of us and provide for us. Why does He look this way out this window? Why is there crime and hate and war? If God is as good as He is, Satan's going to tell you, why didn't He stop it? Why are you not allowed to happen in the first place? Then you kind of want to do a reality check and say, wait a minute. Look at this from our viewpoint and realize one thing. It wasn't God that brought all this on us. It was us. It was us. But yet, Satan wants us to blame God. He wants us to look at the news headlines. He wants us to hear the breaking news that tells us something bad has happened. He wants us to see everybody breaking God's commandments and nothing happening to them. It may look bleak, but nothing's happening to them. As a child of God, yes, we are challenged when we look out this window. We can't avoid looking at it. Because we live in this world and the things that go around us that are bad are still going on and will as long as this world stands. The problem of it is we've got to be careful that we don't let it bring out in us like it does in some the pessimism, the distrust, and the depression. Why? Because this window can warp our viewpoint of life. It can make us think that things are not good. Yeah, we're going to believe yeah, this world is going to the dogs or already hands in our mind. We're going to look around us and we realize since 2008 when the stock market and the housing market crumbled, they are business people who are dishonest. Yes, they are bankers who are not trustworthy. They are lawmakers which are corrupt. We do it all along. This just sort of brought it through. We have to look and see it. It's a reality which we cannot do away with. But our challenge is out of this window. As Satan beats on us and says, look, look how bad it is. And you say God loves you? (laughs) Why would He let this happen? You see, we can look out this window. And we have one person to thank for allowing that to happen. Did not the Son of God look out this window? When he saw the hill of Calvary. Did he not see this world even then? As it was as corrupt then as it is now? And he looked upon that hill of Calvary. He looked upon this one and says, I'm going to die for man anyway. I'm going to shed my blood because I love them. They're corrupt. They're mean. It's just as bad now as it was in the days of Noah but we love the world. And I'm going to die for it anyway. Die for it anyway. Why? If only one had ever responded, that death would have been worth it all. There's our challenge. And there's our help. If our Savior could look out that window, in spite of all that we see, and all the headlines tell us, and all that Satan wants to make you believe how bad the world is, If our Savior can look out that window and still love the people who are committing this, then there's our help. There's our comfort, and there's our strength when we look out that window. Yeah, it's challenging, but we can make it because of Him. When we get to the window that was mentioned by Elisha. When we look at this account of Elisha, when his life... A faithful service to Israel is nearly coming to its end. He's at his last hours, as the reading says. He is laying on the bed, dying of the disease that would take his life. Joash, as you read there, is saddened. He's losing his good friend. He's losing his prophet. He's losing his strength. He's losing his shield. He's losing the one he knew he could run to, and says, "Joash, can you get God to help us with this? Wash well, is going away." this great prophet of God, know the time is near. As this great king, as it were, weeps over Elisha knowing he's losing this man. Elisha says, open the window eastward. Look out that window. Why is this window so good? Why did he want to look to the east? Well, let me ask you a question. You know the answer. What happens every morning in the east? The sun rises. What does that mean? It means simply a new day. A new day. How is it said of old? Behold, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's a new day. It's a day which we can look at and say, This is my day. I will succeed. Today's my day to conquer. I'm full of vim and I'm ready. It's a day which we can of exalting and knowing that we can only help ourselves, we can help others. It's a day of deliverance. It's a window which we can look out and have no fears to bother us. I think we can truly say, This is a time in the world in which we live in. That this world needs to look out this window more than it ever has before. Our times that we look around ourselves, we must have to say, do we have any other generation that's facing such chaotic times? Have we ever found a time we find our youth so materially minded as they are today? What's the solution? What is able to get us to rise up each morning and watch that sun rise in that eastern window? hardly reminded of what even Tommy mentioned this morning we can because the Lord says I am the way I am the way <clears throat> you can face today because I am the way I, you follow me and this day will continue to be beautiful atheism is not going to offer you anything it can't but all it can offer you is either the ease out of the south wind or the bleakness of the north. That's about all it has to offer anyway. It can't offer you anything better than that. We know the God of heaven can. The Apostle Paul writing his brethren at Corinth for the second time. In chapter 4, and beginning with verse 16, says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things which, that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Apostle Paul says this is what we need to have upon our hearts and minds as we look out that east window. That we're being renewed today as we were the day before, that we live through that day and we wake up a new day. We're renewed against a new day. Because all God's ever promised us is the present, basically there really isn't the a future. we can talk about it, but it's not there. The past is gone, can't change it. So Paul was right, don't lose heart. look up because we're renewed every day we live on the face of this earth. a chance to renewal, a chance to change, a chance to do something better, a chance to grow stronger, a chance to face that day in the future because we have God on our side and whatever may happen that day we'll get through it again the apostle Paul understood this in Acts 27 as they're making their way to Rome and they're about to become shipwrecked the text there tells us that they hadn't seen the stars the moon or sun for days on end and they were losing heart begin to scourge, realize went, how much long is it going to be for we the waves of this angry old great sea takes us under. Paul got it before him and says, For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. For not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. Then they all were encouraged and ate some food themselves. What happened there? Paul looked out the east window and realized it may look bleak. But you know what? In spite of that darkness, Paul says, I see the light. I see the sun still rising. We're still alive. And God has promised you that you will be. We may lose the ship. We may lose the cargo. But not a one of us will ever die. My Lord has promised me that. What did he see? That's what he saw. The encouragement. The help. The facing of each day with an attitude of knowing it's going to be a good day. For the Lord and I will be able to do a lot of things together. With his help and with his strength. But the problem is, with too many... They're like so many of those on board that ship. They look out the east window, but they're looking through a fog. They're looking through a bunch of clouds. They can't see the opportunities. They can't see the beauty this day will bring. They can't see the strength that it will give to us. They just see a fog. And obviously it's another day, this dawn. Well, I'm alive today. Let's get through it and hope we make it through to the next one. End of story, end of life. But this evening, here's your opportunity to look out that east window. Here's your opportunity to look at it and realize that the God of heaven loved us enough to send His Son to die for us. Now that precious Son left the glories of heaven to live on this earth for us. Live that sinless life. Shed that precious blood that we might live and face every day with the renewed strength of knowing God is on our side. We can look out now if you become a child of God. This evening you can look out that east window with a different attitude. You also, as life moves onward, you can look out that west window with renewed hope. Because out that window, you'll be like Moses. You'll see the promised land. But it's the one that John describes in Revelation 20. This evening you're not a child of God. The opportunity is yours. The Savior still extends His invitation. He hasn't brought the world to the end. It's still standing by His mercy and grace. He simply asks of you to come with a repentant attitude of heart and mind. Come confessing that He is the Christ who died for you. To be buried in baptism, to raised to walk that new life. And when you get up in the morning and look out that east window, the day will be absolutely beautiful. But it's even if you're a child of God who realizes that if you look out the west window or the east one, what you see is not good. Because you strayed from God. You're no longer walking with Him. And you realize that and understand it and know what you've done that's caused that to happen. Here's the opportunity to remove, as it were, the fog, the clouds, to see that beautiful day as it should be. To look at that west window with renewed hope that I have got asked God to forgive me of those things. I can move on. If I do take my if my life dies this evening, I'm fine. I have create create took care of the things between me and God. Here's the opportunity. While together we stand and while we sing.